As I'm recording this episode, I'm about halfway through a seven-week group coaching program in which I'm teaching and mentoring a small group of writers as they create four items essential for growing their email list. Together, they're working on creating their lead magnet, which is a free gift that they give in exchange for the email of the new subscribers. They're creating a sign-up form or a landing page. That's the place where people go to opt into your list. They are writing the welcome message, which gets sent to new subscribers, and they're creating a content calendar where they plan out several months worth of content for future emails and newsletters. My students are incredibly motivated. They are brimming with great ideas. They're open to listening to suggestions from the group. Together, we are giving our marketing muscles an excellent workout, and we're holding one another accountable for getting this important work done so we can begin connecting with and serving our readers on a deeper level. As I've been creating the training sessions for this coaching program, I've been doing an extensive amount of research to ensure that I am up to speed on the latest email marketing trends and techniques. Part of my research has included listening to podcasts, reading blog posts, and following discussions in Facebook groups pertaining specifically to email marketing. I have paid particular attention to the types of questions people ask most often so that I can address those questions with my students. And what I have discovered, not surprisingly, is that there is a lot of misinformation and just plain bad advice about email marketing making the rounds. During this episode, I am going to give you some tough love. I am going to debunk seven myths about email marketing, all of which I have heard and seen during the past few weeks. Now, one caveat here, most of this advice is not being disseminated by marketing strategists. It is being spread by writers and authors who are seeking effective ways to market their books. A writer might ask in a discussion group, I'm looking for ways to build my email list. Any suggestions? Then other writers, most of whom have little or no marketing experience, chime in with well-intended opinions, which they couch as truths. Other newbie authors take this incorrect advice to heart and everybody collectively freaks out. You know the adage, if it's posted on social media, it must be true. Um, no, I am going to help you debunk myths about email marketing from the perspective of a person who specializes in email marketing and who does this for a living. That does not mean that I have all the answers. It does not mean that I'm always right. My responses to these myths are based on research and listening that I do constantly as part of my job. My responses are based on results my clients have experienced. They're based on results I have experienced. I'm Laura Christensen, and welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. My goal is to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes and a link to join our private Facebook group for listeners at bloggingbistro.com. So let's get started debunking seven email marketing myths. Myth number one, no one reads emails anymore. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you checked email on your phone, your tablet, or your laptop? For 58% of us, the first check-in of our day is email. 60% of us subscribe to our favorite brand's email list while only 20% of us follow our favorite brand on social media. 
and 60% of us have made a purchase as a result of receiving an email. And this is all according to a survey by Optin Monster. I don't know about you, but I check my email several times per day. Of course, as an online business owner where the majority of my communication with prospects and clients happens via email, I need to check it regularly. However, several surveys report that 56% of Americans check their email one to five times per day. Think about your own email habits. How many times per day do you typically check your email? I think I would be fairly accurate in predicting that you too check your email at least once a day. Here's the rhythm that I go through when I check my email. First, I delete the dozens of spammy emails that I get, and then I skim the subject lines looking for messages from friends, family, coworkers, and clients, and then I check out the subject lines for the emails that I subscribe to. Everything from newsletters from my favorite authors and marketers to the daily sales pitches I get from Kohl's and the recipes I get from Yumly. When it comes to opening e-newsletters, that is, emails from the list you subscribe to, the average open rate across all industries is around 25%. So yes, not everyone who subscribes to your email list will open any given email that you send them. In general, 25% of your subscribers will open a message, and it may be a different 25% for different emails that you send. A lot depends on whether your subject line speaks to their need and is compelling enough for them to open it and investigate. While texting and texting style apps are definitely on the rise for business communications and for collaborations, particularly among younger people, email still dominates. According to Forbes magazine, most professionals spend about six hours a day sending and receiving 123 emails on average. Myth number two, you must have a website before you can start building an email list. Before joining my group coaching program on email marketing, several of my students told me that they don't have a website and they were wondering whether it would be wise to start email marketing before they launched their site. And my answer was an enthusiastic yes. In fact, planning your email marketing before you create your website or if you're an author before you write the first word of your book is a smart idea. If you hope to publish a book in, say, a year and a half, or you're thinking about launching a side gig or starting your own business, the first thing I recommend doing after you have clarified who your ideal reader is or ideal audience or ideal client is to begin building your email list of the people you most love serving. Because there are several moving parts and some potentially challenging tech bits involved with setting up email marketing, you really don't want to be dealing with that at the same time as you're having your website built or at the same time as you are getting ready to launch your book or launch your business. Most of the email marketing services have an option for you to create a landing page, which is a single purpose web page whose sole purpose is to invite people to sign up for your email list. So yes, you can definitely start building your email list even if you don't have a website. Myth number three, never attempt to market or sell anything via email. 
This bad advice truly befuddles me since one of the primary purposes of email marketing is to market or sell products, services, and programs. The term email marketing probably gives you a little hint. I'm guessing that the person who gave this advice may have intended to say, don't use email only to market or sell. And that is definitely true. Your email list, which many people refer to as their e-newsletter, is a wonderful way for you to introduce yourself to your ideal audience and to nurture and grow relationships over time. Email is one of the most effective ways, other than talking with somebody in person, to nurture what's called the no like and trust factor. And what I mean by that is that when you put yourself out there consistently via emails that you send to your subscribers, people who've never met you in real life begin to feel as if they know you and they like you. And as you deliver high value to them consistently over time, they begin to trust you. Only when the no like, and trust factor kicks in, will you be successful at selling to them? And that's why most email marketing strategists like me recommend that you spend 90% of your time giving away high quality, high value content in your emails and limit direct selling to 10% of your messages. Myth number four, you need to have 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000 or 100,000 subscribers on your email list before a publisher will offer you a book contract. Oh, this one is tricky. In fact, during the past month, I have heard literary agents state these exact figures in blog posts and podcast episodes, the 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 subscribers. Well, that's quite a, quite a range there. They say these numbers with a great deal of resignation in their voice because they know that many traditional publishers are still living in the mid 20th century in terms of subscriber numbers translating into book sales. In other words, you have 20,000 subscribers on your email list. That must translate into a healthy number of book sales, right? Maybe, if those subscribers are the right subscribers. But what if I felt I needed 20,000 subscribers in order to get the attention of a book publisher, so I ran some Facebook ads or Google ads, or I hosted a sweepstakes contest via email? Several of the authors that I have worked with have used these techniques and they added thousands of new subscribers to their email list in a matter of days. Were those subscribers the right subscribers though? No. They were people who enter every contest under the sun. They were people who clicked on an ad because they wanted to get something for free. Will those people buy your book? Maybe. Probably not. I would rather have a smaller list of the right subscribers, people who truly are interested in what I have to offer and they are not just a freebie seeker, people who are truly engaged and who are committed for the long haul. Eventually, there may be 20,000 of them or even 100,000 of them. But let's just pause for a second and get realistic here. Based on the email list that I've managed for several best-selling authors over the last decade or so, those numbers, those 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, they're mostly pie-in-the-sky dreams. 
In reality, most authors find it tremendously challenging to get the first 100 subscribers or to break the 1,000 subscriber mark. So if you are in that boat, you're not alone. You are definitely not alone. However, if you can't seem to break the 100 subscriber mark, you might want to rethink your dream of landing a contract with a major publisher who insists on seeing 100,000 subscribers before they'll give you a second glance. I believe that too many authors get caught in the trap of obsessing over how many subscribers and followers they have or want to have. They spend way too much time and energy trying to prove how special or popular they are, hoping that popularity will pay off in book sales. Occasionally, our newsletters get lots of responses, or our social media posts get tons of likes and shares and comments. They might even go viral. When this happens, we get a similar adrenaline rush that a gambling addict gets when they win a jackpot. That rush compels us to keep chasing after bigger and bigger numbers. And having big numbers or being popular isn't the same thing as being an effective writer or an effective leader of the people whose lives you are helping to transform. My suggestion is that you should not grow your email list just so you can get a book deal. The main purpose of your email list is for you to show up and consistently serve your audience. Myth number five, authors should give away one of their books as an incentive, aka a lead magnet, to entice people to subscribe. While you definitely want to give away something as an enticement for people to subscribe, giving away the electronic version of one of your books or writing an ebook that you use as a lead magnet, those are not the most popular form of freebies. And there's a simple reason for that. In general, lead magnets should be short enough to be consumed in five to 10 minutes. The intent of a lead magnet is to give your new subscriber a quick win to help them take a step forward in an area where you have expertise or are passionate about helping. For fiction authors, creating lead magnets is more of a challenge than it is for nonfiction authors. So a lot of fiction authors default to, I'll give them an ebook. Yes, an ebook will give a prospective book buyer a good taste of your writing. However, you don't need to create a full-length 100-page or 200-page ebook or novella. Most subscribers won't read the whole thing. In fact, the very term ebook turns off a lot of potential subscribers because in their minds, ebook equates with lengthy. Why not give subscribers a taste test of your writing by transforming that full-length ebook idea into a short story? Or perhaps repurpose a deleted scene that didn't make it into your novel. Or create a short prequel or sequel. In the group coaching program on email marketing that I'm facilitating right now, about half the students are fiction writers, and they are coming up with an impressive array of lead magnet ideas that feature their fiction, none of which are ebooks. It can be done, and it can be done well. Myth number six. People shouldn't have to give you their email in order to receive your free gift, in other words, your lead magnet. Give them the gift first and then invite them to sign up for your newsletter if they like your gift. When I spotted this advice, I did a double take and then I did a triple take 
or even a quadruple take. In fact, I mulled over it for at least a week before composing this response. At first glance, this tactic kind of makes sense, and I can understand why some authors use it. They don't want prospective readers to feel disgruntled by feeling as if they're being strong-armed into handing over their email address before getting a freebie. Their reasoning is that if an author gives you a free story and you discover that you like their writing, you'll want to read more, so you'll go back and sign up for their list. And that makes sense to a point. Yes, certainly, I would love the opportunity to sample an author's writing before signing up for their email list. I would do that through reading their blog or listening to an audio file of them reading aloud a piece of content that they've created, or maybe by visiting a page on their website where I can instantly download a PDF of their story. There is nothing wrong with that, and many authors do this. If you take this approach, you would definitely need to ensure that there is a prominent call to action in the PDF story or inside the blog post for the reader to subscribe to your e-newsletter if they like your work, because there is no guarantee that a non-subscriber will remember to come back to your website or blog and fill out the opt-in form at a later date. The vast majority of people who visit your website or your blog are visiting for the first time, often for the first and last time. You have one opportunity to invite them to join your email list. Don't squander that opportunity. Another facet of people's reluctance to tie their free gift into an email list opt-in is that a lot of authors are reticent about promoting their work. They either lack confidence that someone will actually like what they wrote or they believe that by asking people to subscribe before receiving the freebie, they're being overly self-promotional and self-serving. If you're feeling hesitant about using something you have written as a means of inviting readers to join your email list, my question for you is why? I don't ask this to be mean or to make you feel bad. I truly want to know why you would invest the time and effort to write a book and yet you feel it would be self-serving to get your book into the hands of the people you wrote it for. When written with the correct motives to serve readers instead of to serve yourself, a book is intended to be read. When you promote your book, you are not promoting yourself. You're promoting the promise you make to your readers and you deliver that promise through the pages of your book. If you're afraid that people won't like your writing and therefore you are unwilling to use your writing as a lead magnet, perhaps you shouldn't be writing a book at this stage in your life because writing is not about you. It's about serving your reader. Here's a massive action step for you if you lack the confidence that you have the ability to offer life-transforming words to the readers who are the right fit for you. I recommend that you start blogging or podcasting today, or maybe tomorrow. Do it weekly for the next three months. That will give you a trial period to try different approaches and styles and points of view and storytelling methods, and it will show you whether you possess the drive and the commitment to consistently deliver high-quality content. 
It will also give prospective readers the opportunity to taste test your writing style and your storytelling abilities without feeling as if they have to make a commitment to join your email list. Of course, I do recommend that you include opportunities for readers to subscribe in every blog post. Then, when they do subscribe, ensure that you continue to nurture the new relationship with additional high-quality content delivered consistently over the long haul. Yes, freebie seekers abound. These are the people who sign up for your email list just so they can get your free gift, and then they either instantly unsubscribe or they never open your emails. Get used to it, because when you offer a free gift, it will happen a lot. But remember, it is not about you. They didn't unsubscribe because they hate you. Chances are they don't even know you. They subscribed, they got what they wanted, and they chose to move on. Unsubscribing does not mean that they don't like you. It simply means that what you offered them is not the best fit for what they need at this present moment. How many times have you done that? Walked into a store, bought something you wanted that exactly fit your need or desire in that moment, and then you never return to that store again. Getting used to the way that consumers act and interact with you or don't interact with you is a huge part of being a business owner. We put ourselves out there. We, writers and authors and others in writing-related businesses, we promote our services and our books just like accountants promote their bookkeeping services or roofers promote their roof-building expertise. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. What's important is feeling confident in what you have to offer your small slice of the world and of knowing deep inside yourself that the way you feel compelled or called to serve your audience is worth every minute of time you invest in creating content that will serve them well. Myth number seven, authors should send a newsletter to their subscribers four times per year. The newsletter needs to include at least five different sections, including what's going on in the author's life, a recipe, words of inspiration, news about the author's work in progress or upcoming book, and tips for how to improve some aspect of your life. Myth number seven is kind of a combination of myths. First, there is no rule that dictates how many times per year you should email your subscribers. A rule of thumb among marketers is that the more often you email your subscribers, the more visible you become and the more sales you will make. While this is generally true, I want to caution you not to email your subscribers only promotions to buy your stuff. Don't bombard them daily with emails trying to sell them your latest book or your online course or your coaching program or your done for you service. This happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I signed up for somebody's list to get a lead magnet that looked interesting and indeed it was a good one. But the very first welcome email that I received from the person was a hard sell for their coaching services. Followed the next day by the same hard sell with slightly different wording. Followed the day after that with yet another sales pitch. Followed the day after that with, well, you get the idea. And you know what I did? After the third strike, the batter was out. I unsubscribed. It irritated me that instead of telling me a little bit about themselves and maybe encouraging me to visit their blog and continuing to send me juicy content related to the topic of their lead magnet, this person was 
all about me buying their stuff. I equate this to you and I meeting at an event. I come up, I introduce myself to you, and I say, hey, I'm Laura. I have a gift for you. You'd probably be a little bit taken aback, but you might say, well, thanks. That's nice of you. The next words out of my mouth would be, great. Now that you have my gift, buy my book. It's like meeting someone and instantly asking them to marry you. Of course, they're not going to marry you on the spot. You need to go on at least one date first, hopefully many dates, before you're ready to commit. Just like any relationship you develop with another person, email is a type of relationship building that requires a lot of time and effort and commitment. Bombarding your new subscriber with daily sales pitches the second they sign up for your email list is not a good way to build a lasting relationship. Neither is emailing your subscriber only four times per year. It is hard to maintain a long-distance relationship with somebody you hear from only a few times per year. I recommend that you email your subscribers once a week or once every other week and make sure that what you send them is valuable for them. Don't just send them some random thought or the earth-shattering news that you mowed your lawn today. When it comes down to it, your subscribers don't really care about you. They care about themselves, about what's in it for them, about how you can help them. Well, you definitely should tell stories about what's going on in your life. For instance, maybe you haven't mowed your lawn in months and getting rid of that pasture of foot tall grass truly is earth shattering news. Now that's something that will bring a smile to your subscriber. So yes, tell stories, share yourself. This is a relationship after all. But don't feel as if you have to prepare an elaborate, multifaceted newsletter every time you email your subscribers. I rarely do this, and my subscriber list is growing steadily. I have been known to send a two-sentence email. In fact, that two-sentence email, which is one of the weekly marketing tips that I send to new subscribers, gets a bigger positive response from my readers than many of my lengthier emails. If someone tells you that you have to create a weekly or monthly newsletter that includes several different sections before you freak out and get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of content that you'll have to create, ask yourself, who is my ideal subscriber, reader, audience, client? What type of content will best serve that person? Does my ideal reader want to wade through a multi-section newsletter? They might. Or would they prefer that I tell them a story? Maybe they'd rather receive a two-sentence tip from me. What parts of myself do I feel compelled to share with my subscribers? For instance, if I created a newsletter, I doubt I'd share a recipe because I hate to cook. I would be much more likely to share a, quote, recipe for how to correctly swim backstroke because I love to swim and backstroke is one of my favorite strokes. Whether you decide to create a newsletter or send a simple email without the typical newsletter sections, focus on telling stories. We all love stories. We learn from stories. We remember information better when it's structured as a story. Plus, stories help our subscribers connect with us. I am an introvert and I'm a very private person, so it is always a challenge for me to open up about my life. Storytelling in my emails is something I definitely am working on improving. 
as I've gotten a little bit more brave about telling stories in my emails, I've learned that there is a safe way for me to tell stories where I reveal parts of myself that closely relate to the topic or theme of the email message without me feeling as if I've crossed the TMI line, you know, too much information, oversharing personal information. You know your subscribers better than anybody else. You know their needs. You know the ways that you are best equipped to help them take the next step in their journey. Ignore the advice that says you have to email your subscriber a certain number of times per week or per month. Ignore the advice that says you have to create a multi-section newsletter. Do what works best for your subscribers. Deliver the content that resonates most with them. If you mess up, and you will, forgive yourself and move on. Yes, you will lose subscribers along the way, but you'll also gain new ones who are a great fit for the way that you love to serve. Similar to any relationship that you want to thrive, commit to selflessly nurturing that relationship over time. Make platform building, which includes building your email list, a habit, not an interruption. Here's an example to help you think about email list building as a habit. You're probably familiar with the NBC series Law & Order SVU. That show has been on the air since 1999, 22 seasons. As of June 3rd, 2021, 494 total episodes have aired. Well, what if the writers of the show said, we don't really feel like writing an episode this week? And they never would have built a weekly audience of 7.6 million viewers. For the writers of Law & Order SVU, platform building has never been an interruption. It has been a habit. As you get into the habit of email list building, there will be stretches where you're not going to see traction or results. No one knows when you show up to write this week's email. No one's going to be patting you on the back with an enthusiastic, great job. But over time, the little decisions that you make every day to stay committed to serving and nurturing your readers will add up and will result in a significant impact. You have to earn the privilege of a place in your reader's inbox. You have to earn the yes. Today, start earning that yes. Decide to be relentlessly helpful to your readers. If you're eager to get started with email marketing or to ramp up the email marketing that you're already doing, I invite you to sign up for my free course. It's called Email Marketing for Writers, Seven Days to Launch Your List. Yes, this course is one of my lead magnets. And yes, I'm asking you to provide your email in exchange for receiving this course. Why? Because I'm confident that if you commit the time to going through this seven-day training and doing the action steps, you will lay a solid foundation for the email marketing that you will do now and in the future. Then, after you have completed the course, if you want to join a small group of entrepreneurs and actually create your lead magnet, 
create your opt-in form, create your welcome message, and create your content calendar, I invite you to join my group coaching program the next time I offer it. You'll find more information about it in the show notes for this episode at bloggingbistro.com, or you can simply email me. My address is laura, L-A-U-R-A, at bloggingbistro.com, and ask me to be put on the waiting list. And the next time I offer the program, I'll contact you with details about it. Thank you so much for listening to the Professional Writer Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you have a friend, a colleague, another writer who is feeling a little bit befuddled right now about email marketing, please share this episode with a friend. That's episode 66, Debunking 7 Email Marketing Myths. Every episode of this podcast is available at bloggingbistro.com. And it's also available on more than a dozen podcast listening apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and more. Talk with you again next time.